This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, along for the ride here. And, uh... It's a cloudy day, Charlie. I know, after those really sunny Saturdays. I thought I thought from the forecast, I was in covering for uh, Normie Edwards on Thursday, mm-hmm. and as I remember, Saturday and Sunday are supposed to be nice and sunny. It's going to yeah. get better. Uh, the clouds like are going to clear out, and the temperature is going to rise, because it is uh, fairly cool out there right now. Well, all right. Whatever the weather, though, we're here, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Put a rosy face on for folks. Uh, let's see. We've got phone numbers to get yes. out there. Okay. Yes. That's my job. <clears throat> Your okay. only job. <laughs> That's my only job. That's right. Uh, so if you live in the Toronto area, please give us a call here at the Garden Show at 416-360-0740. Then anywhere else in the province, toll free. You don't have to pay a penny. 1-866-740-4740. Our mantra is call early, call often. One question per call. And, uh, oh, yeah, let uh, James Patrick Dooley, uh, our uh, production guy, know when uh, you call in that you're a first-time caller and you shall hear wind chimes when you're Mm -hmm. welcome to the air. That's right, because we like to welcome you with chimes, which gives you your wings, and then you're part of the gang. Yes, did I mention Charlie Dobbin is here? Uh, Yes. yes. Hello. (laughs) Mm. Yes, welcome, darling. Well, (laughs) away we go with another show. Yes, yes. yes. So you've been watching any of that uh, football, that uh, soccer? Oh, soccer. I'm not, a, I'm not a big soccer fan, I okay. must admit. It takes too long between goals, you know, it goes on forever in a day. Well, but I guess that one yesterday, the um, Netherlands and Spain, it was like 5-1. Yeah. The final score. That was I, quite a lot of goals. Oh, not yeah. that I saw it. I was just driving. I heard it on the radio. <laughs> yes, I, don't, I know nothing about soccer. Yes, what can I well, say? Well, it, it's, it's strange, though. It's the largest sport in the world, apparently. Mm. And uh, although I think it is gradually catching on in, in Canada, um, oh, God. kids in school, because it doesn't cost up. You know, well, an arm and a leg. Also, I think, I mean, given our multicultural society yeah. oh. and people from all over the world, there was a cute interview, a guy on CBC as I was driving here, and he's down in the Eaton Center because they got big screens set up oh, there yeah, and yeah. people watching, and he's just arrived in the last 24 hours from England, and he said, it's so amazing, all these people in Toronto walking around with their jerseys, and he said, and like, Canada's not even in the cup, well, number yeah. one. And number two, he goes, in England, every, all the opposing fans are kept very separate. Oh, yeah, You're not allowed to mix on the street even, right? And he goes, here, like everybody's just hanging out, well, drinking beer together, wearing different jerseys. He goes, this is really wacky. We it, don't do it like that in England at all. Well, a good thing we do it the way we do it because, you know, you don't want riots every second, you know, game Exactly. Or whatever. Well, they're a little out of control there. Exactly. Silly fans. All righty, on to gardening. On to gardening. Very good weekend for gardening. Got to love these cool temperatures. And there's a lot going on in our gardens right now. Even though we might have done all our planting and... You know, we're feeling pretty good. Yeah. We've had some good rain, so it's not like we have to be watering right now. 
Now is when we start to see all kinds of infestations, both of the insect variety and also the disease variety. All this rain has led to a lot of growth, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't we kind of overnight go green? Yeah. And yeah. lots of, you know, sort of fast growth means very, very soft, very fresh, very tender growth, which insects love. So it's keep your eyes peeled. I mean, you might not have to do any actual gardening, but you do need to get out there and visit your garden. Study your plants. You know, look really closely. I was out in my front yard trimming down a plant that was kind of getting in the way of the window. And while I'm trimming it down, I realized it's covered in aphids. Oh, those little rascals. Yeah, they're black aphids on a, on a purple plant. So it was a little yeah. hard to see until I had taken a few chunks on it. Wow, wow, that's a really So, like, how do you get rid Well, we'll deal with that one. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's easy. Aphids are really easy to kill. They're soft bodied little insects. Even soap and water will kill them. It's follow the instructions. But you got to get rid of them. Thoroughly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got to get rid of them. Yeah, so that's what is our real job right now. But a couple of um, upcoming things. Remember today, today's a very big day in terms of garden tours. This is the Gates Open Home and Garden Tour happening out in Scarborough Bluffs. It's a fundraiser for the Rouge Valley Health System. Now, that's all day from 10 till 4, and uh, that's uh, certainly worth checking into, and you can still go to their website, www.thebluffsgatesopen.com for any information or to get tickets and, uh, like I said, fundraiser for the hospital. Also, Toronto Botanical Gardens is hosting a huge fundraiser all weekend, both days, Saturday and Sunday, through the Garden Gates. It's 19 different gardens around Hogs Hollow. So, uh, um, again, easy enough to go get tickets through Toronto Botanical Gardens, or Garden, hold on, let me just double check, (laughs) Garden, yes, .ca, www.torontobotanicalgarden.com. .ca, uh, or you can go right to their headquarters. Headquarters is right down by the uh, York Mills subway station. Yeah, because Hugs Hollow is right there at York Mills. Uh, what else? Um, oh, yes, Georgetown. The Georgetown Hort Society, they are having a garden tour. It will be next Sunday, June 22nd from 10 until 4. And as it's pointed out by the people who sent mm-hmm. this to me, in spite of the vicious storm that impacted the area quite intensely because, of course, you know, the ice storm really hit Georgetown and the heavy snow layer. So they are going ahead with the garden tour. Uh, they're presenting four fantastic garden properties in town as well as two magnificent country properties and the Watchtower Gardens where refreshments will be served. So for ticket information, check out their Hort's, um, their website, www.geohort.com. Dot com so G E O Hort for Georgetown Hort. All right, there you go. Well, there you go is right. Oh, and uh, just before we uh, start, oh, maybe yeah. we, Cutie, you know yeah. you often think but we broadcast, of course, here to uh, all like, of Ontario. And well, so I often think it's you and I just talking to each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's like, nobody the, out there. Is there anybody out there? You know, there so is. I, I got a really nice email from somebody who was out there, uh, and her name is Kathy. Moon, Kathleen Moon, she sends a cute email. She says, Charlie and Frank, I keep forgetting to send this to Frank. Of course, Frank being the the joker of the two of us, you know, you get all the jokes. Oh, yes. So while I'm listening to your podcast, Kathy says, I'm sending it out. This is from Eric Robson from the BBC Gardener's Question Time. By the way, remember, in Britain, they hate garden gnomes. There's a whole thing with the garden gnomes. So the question is, how do you get rid of garden gnomes? 
And hmm. then it's a good one for you because you are the king of one aspect of gardening here. Uh, so I see the where you're answer heading. to this is how do you get rid of garden gnomes? And the answer is with nomatodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was a long way to go for that. But, hey, thank you very much. And, <laughs> and Kathy says, I love your show here in Zone 5, mid-Michigan. Well, there you so, go. See. Thanks, Kathy. That's great. Okay. Charlie's Appreciate advice reaches across all borders, as it were. Oh, thank oh, you. Oh, and, you know, we get to do start reaching uh, me. Reach for the sky? Yeah, reach for the sky. Reach and then for the top. I'm going to, you know, do a couple of fist pumps this way. All uh, right. And why are you doing this? I'm doing that because Sierra Sill helps us all. It does. It certainly helps you and I. Not necessarily all, though. Sierra Sill is this mineral, natural mineral supplement that keeps the joints limber mm-hmm. and mo- working and pain-free. Now, it works for most people, but not everybody. The people that make Sierra Sill claim that you will know within 14 days whether this product is working for you and if it's not full money back guarantee so that's where the phone number comes in 1-877-JOINT-14 or check them on the web sierrasill.ca they're also it's also available in many health food stores and if you're in doubt about the spelling here it comes s-i-e-r-r-a-s-i-l Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. That's us, and we're here in The Garden Show. <laughs> Frank, how does he do it? How does he do it? I He's bouncing. He's no. dancing, he's well, just doing I, cartwheels, and he's back at the mic. Well, here we are. Once again, uh, my friends, uh, <laughs> all set to roll along with the big show. Okay. Hey, let's say hi to our first caller here, Ray. Good morning, Ray. Where are you calling from, by the way? Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Uh, I'm calling from Coburg. Coburg. Oh, welcome okay. to the show. And I, I, I've called uh, before. Oh, so excellent. You don't have to give me the uh, chimes okay. or whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you're getting <laughs> Anyways, them anyway. <laughs> uh, my question is about my apple trees. Yeah. I, I have uh, three or four apple trees, and uh, this year, uh, uh, two of them, and I prune these early in the, the uh, spring. Good. And uh, there's two of them. One is uh, Granny Smith, and the other one is uh, Golden Delicious, and they've come out. Uh, quite profusely, all kinds of leaves and everything else. Mm-hmm. This other one uh, was very slow. In fact, I thought it had died. And then all of a sudden, it's getting blossoms, and just as many blossoms as leaves. Uh-huh. And, but there's no blossoms on the other two, and they're much older and bigger trees. Uh, I can't understand how I'm getting blossoms on this little spindly tree that I thought was dying. <laughs> And there's no blossoms on the other two. Oh, well, okay, so good question. Sometimes it's because trees and plants in general don't always flower evenly every single season. So we have years with, like, profuse flowering and, you know, bumper crops, and then we have years where it drops right down and we have a mere percentage, you know, the next year from what we had the, the previous. So it could be that, that last year was a bumper crop, this year will not be the case. The other thing is, remember the flower buds are formed on your fruit trees back in the fall. They could, the flower buds could have been frosted off 
on the two that aren't flowering or could have been frosted off in a late frost this spring. Um, or there could be a few flowers in there. You just, you know, sort of didn't see them, but not, you know, like you're seeing on the little one. Right. Bottom line is, remember, hopefully somebody in your neighborhood does also have a flowering apple of some kind so that there will be pollination of your little uh, tree that's currently flowering. Right. right. Should I spray it? Uh, not when it's flowering. Uh, when, when do I spray it so I don't get worms in the apples? Well, did you do a dormant spray earlier? No, I didn't do it. I've done a dormant spray before, but uh, I still get wormy apples. Uh, I, I've got a feeling that you have to do two types of spraying, but uh, timing is the yeah. dormant spray. That's the one with sulfur, I believe. That's right, sulfur and horticultural oil. And we yes. do that when the plants are dormant. So that's yeah. back yeah, this year. It would have been April, probably, or even May, because it's you know it's very specific temperatures are required in order to be effective. But dormant spray is going to annihilate anything that's overwintered on the plants. Right. So now... I, would, I still got... Uh, when I did put dormant spray, I still got... Uh Worms and whatever, apple scabbing. Right. And so is there another spray that I should be putting on the well, tree? Uh, well, you're right. The challenge when it comes to some of the, the, obviously the worms, the diseases of apple trees, is timing. And the timing of your sprays is also connected to weather. So when we get into gray, wet weather, we're into dis- very happy situation for diseases like apple scab and fire blight to thrive. And, uh, but we, we never, ever, ever spray anything when it's flowering for fear of spraying bees that are out there doing right. their job. So that's right. why it's actually against the law to spray any, there's, it's the Bee Act. It's been around right. for 50 years and it's like no spraying of any, any fruit trees when flowering um, because of you know, the risk to the bee population. But what you will do is as soon as the flowers are finished, the petals have dropped, you will, monitoring the weather, uh, be out there. Now, what I'd be uh, spraying with first is an insecticide, but if it's really, really dull and gray and humid, and, and raining every day, then you'll be spraying with an insecticide and a fungicide as your next spray. Oh, good. Okay. So we used to be able to buy fruit tree spray, but that is no longer available. So now you have to use things like Bordeaux as your fungicide or go back to your lime sulfur and use that as your, your fungicide. And okay. then for your insecticide, you look more to things like Bug Be Gone or your horticultural oil can work at summer. Um, there's a right on the package there. It tells you the, the summer mix because okay. we add more water in the summer than we do in the spring. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you're going to have to kind of balance off what's available and track the weather and recognize that, yeah, certain things happen very early in the season, which you're absolutely correct. That's when your little worms get encased. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hey, thanks for the call from Coburg, Ray. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Good luck with it. All righty, there's our first call. And you know what takes us to our first break here mm-hmm. on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin and yours truly, Frank Proctor. And, of course, the voice you hear when you uh, call in is that of James Patrick Dooley. So give him a big uh, shout-out and uh, welcome yourself. Okay, mm-hmm. there you are. And we'll be back right after these words here on AM740 Zoomer Radio. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And here we are at AM 740, Zoomer Radio in Liberty Village in the Zoomerplex. And we have Eleanor waiting to have a chat with you. All right, Charlie? Good morning, Eleanor. Good morning. Morning. 
I have a question that uh, I was out in the garden Thursday morning and we had had rain overnight. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the the soil and something very tiny is moving. Mm -hmm. So I had my rubber gloves on and I picked it up and I just put it back on my table on the patio. Mm -hmm. And the end of it, it was black, about the size of a hair, Mm -hmm. and the end got lighter. Then I started searching the garden, and I must have picked up about a dozen of these worms. My daughter went on the Internet, and she thought they were a horse hair worm. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. Are they? If that's what it is, is it harmful? Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. What do I do about it? <laughs> have you ever sprayed your lawn for nematodes in the past? No, I mm-hmm. haven't. This is in my vegetable garden. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not that unusual to have nematodes, which are commonly referred to as wire worms, okay. in our soil. Yeah. Um, many of them, some of them are parasitic in the sense that they will eat up and, and lay their eggs on some of the other nasties that are under the soil. Yeah. Uh, there is such a thing here, because I've Personally, I've never heard of horsehair worm, but I did quickly Google it here. There is such a thing as a horsehair worm. I don't know anything about it except to say that I think, well, they're saying it's not actually a nematode. It's a nematomorph. So have you still got these um, these little critters? No, I have a neighbor, Heinke, mm-hmm. Heinke, Heinke. Mm-hmm. and I believe you know her. I think I do too, actually. Yes. And she Googled it, too. But we don't know whether it's harmful or what we should do. I took them all over to her. Uh So does she still have them in a jar or something? Um, I don't know if she still has them. I know she's going away tomorrow. But um, she um, said she would like to take one out, and she wants to photograph it because she writes some articles Mm -hmm. or something. So... I'm not sure just uh, who gets these articles, but I'm not on the internet, so I okay. can't do anything. Okay. Yeah, no, she's affiliated with the Master Gardener, so she's yeah. probably writing in the newsletter and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you know what? For I mean, very hard to identify, obviously, over the radio, and even hard to identify when it's sitting right there in front of you because they're tiny and there's so many different um, varieties and species and genus of all of many of these creatures. However, there is a pest. Uh, not a diagnosis. It's an identification clinic at the University of Guelph. Yeah. So, bottom line, that's that's what I would recommend that your neighbor do, and she can, you know, check them online and then send it off, basically, or photos, one or the other, as per instruction for an actual ID of the plant, or sorry, of, of the insect, uh, if yeah. that's possible. It's un, frankly, I think it's unlikely to truly be a horsehair worm, but you never know. But they're normally in water, isn't that what the um, the internet said? Um, I'm, I'm not sort of able to read this fast enough. Um, something here about the slender. Yeah, there's. I can't read it fast enough here. It's a parasitic worm. It's something you want to avoid. Something about human cases being infected. But it also seems to be southern United States more than anything. Mm-hmm. So what what survives there often doesn't survive here. But um, yeah, leave it with us. We'll see. And you're right. It is an aquatic. It does. It is under under aquatic invertebrates of Alberta on one of the websites here. So mm-hmm. yeah, it like it's unlikely to be a horsehair worm. It's more likely to just be one of those little nematodes that's out there doing its thing in our garden. So should I be concerned? or uh... I wouldn't be overly concerned, but if you want to get an actual ID, best thing to do is to take it or mail it to the ID, the pest clinic at the University of Guelph. Okay. Okay. Hope that helps. 
Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Eleanor. Always welcome here at uh, the Garden Show, AM seven forty Zoomer Radio. And it's uh, interesting when see. people yeah. ask us questions for things for which we have no knowledge, like horsehair worms, free living in both standing and running wa- running water. Um, but clearly, these were in the in the garden. These were in the vegetable garden. These were not in water. So I don't think that Eleanor's got horsehair worms. I think she's just got your basic nematodes. The garden your, your variety. Basic, your basic nematodes. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, hey, uh, let's say uh, a good morning here to Diane. Uh, where are you um, uh, located, Diane? I, I live in Hamilton. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, Hamilton. Well, welcome morning. aboard. Uh, you have, you have a good radio station there, by, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, I have a plant. I bought it at uh, Shoppers Drug Mart just after Easter, and it's called Callan uh, uh, Co. or something like this. Oh, yeah. It's K-A-L-A-S-D-H-O-E. In easy water, it says on the... Yeah. And I was wondering... I put it outside uh-huh. to get the get some sun on it, and uh, should I have done that or yeah. anything like that? For sure. Well, what you're talking about, and your pronunciation probably isn't even that bad. Some people call it a calanchoe, and oh, yeah. I, however, call it a calancho. It oh. is a tropical flowering plant. It is a succulent. It has quite a thick, shiny leaf. Yes. And so what we know is that it will continue to flower if you can get it outside. You right. can ultimately put it right out in full sun if you wish, but it's fine just getting some morning sun or some afternoon sun and shade the rest of the time. Yeah, that's what I'm like. I face towards Lake Ontario and I get early morning sun and then the rest of the time it's in shade and maybe a little little towards yeah. when the sun starts to set. To come around. So yeah. just make sure that you, when there is sun out there, it is getting that sun only water this plant when it's dry. It's probably in a little tiny pot, so you could move it into a bigger pot. Oh, I did that already. I put in one of these uh, urines you put out on a balcony or okay. patio okay. kind of thing for now. All right, so but that's... It will, it will get bigger? Uh, it will. Uh, fertilize it. Get yourself some flowering plant fertilizer or even an all-purpose fertilizer and use that every two weeks. The plant will get bigger and it will give you more flowers. And if you want to keep it, you have to bring it in before the frost. Right. Okay. That's right. So it's great outside all summer, but by the end of August, I'd be bringing it back into the house and, of course, putting it in a sunny location. Right. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much, You're Charlie. Fine. You have a good... Uh... Thank you very you guys much. Have a good Father's Day. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Yeah, looking forward very much to uh, Father's yeah, and well, Grandfather's Day. Yes, uh, I mentioned to you just before we your came favorite into the dinner. Well, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have that tonight. Actually. Right, a pre-Father's uh, Day favorite yeah, dinner. Yeah, because uh, tomorrow, Di and I are going to head off to Kitchener Waterloo to see her dad, who will be celebrating his 100th birthday, August 15th. Unbelievable! So, so it's yeah. great Grandfather's Day for him. Exactly. Wow. Hey, we've got Zarita on the line. Good morning, Zarita. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, Charlie, my question is about my beans in the garden. Mm-hmm. I planted a, hang on, 24. <laughs> and um, they came up and something has been eating the tops oh. off and just leaving me the stalks. I know. No, not all of them came up, just about maybe four. 
out of the 24. Baby bean seedlings have to be one of the tastiest vegetables out there. Mm-hmm. And since you are, have you looked, are you seeing any insects on the little bean sprouts at all, the bean seedlings? No, I am noticing there are a lot of ants in the garden. No, they don't eat. Ants, believe it or not, are, are helpers. They oh, clean good. up stuff. Mm-hmm. They scavenge dead stuff. They never eat live stuff. Mm-hmm. So even though ants are frustrating, this world would be a much messier place if we didn't have all the uh-huh. ants cleaning up everything. They yeah, clean up all the dead good stuff. For picnics, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, they're always curious, right? You know, what's going on? What do you got? It's very attracted, but to sugars and stuff. But they won't go out and chew, you know, green plants. What's probably eating your bean seedlings are earwigs. Oh. At night, when you're sleeping. Mm. And that, that's a tough one to control because there's no... We used to have something called earwig destroyer, which was a bait that we would put on the surface of the garden, on the soil, around our tender little bean seedlings, and the earwigs would eat these little pellets and they would die. But of course, that is all now completely uh, illegal in Ontario, so we don't have access to that pellet anymore. What you can do is you can set up a um, a little barrier around your beans, you know, a little collar, Mm -hmm. make a little cardboard collar or plastic collar, tinfoil even collar so that the earwigs cannot climb up the stem and chew the leaves. That can be a way to protect them. As soon as the beans get to the point of kind of the four to six leaves, they're pretty safe. But it's those first two leaves. They get wiped out, the plant dies. And, of course, you can always use the old rubber hose treatment on them. Get them in the back room. Uh, (laughs) No, no, but you're right. The rubber hose. Tell us. Yeah, you get a length of of rubber hose, and overnight they'll crawl in there, and you put some stuff in there. Well, you just empty the hose. into the water. with airwigs, and my husband cut up an old hose, and we did place it around, and it worked. Yeah, that's right. It's rather tedious to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you don't have to actually get up at six because remember they hide as the sun comes up. Yeah. And so they're chewing all night in the dark. Mm-hmm. Soon as the sun starts to come up, they, you know, duck for cover into the hose. Okay. You can go out and empty that hose anytime you want, as long as you do it before the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And that's that's right. Frank's right. You tip it upside down, mm-hmm. drop those earwigs into a can of water with a little drop of oil, and they can't get out. Mm-hmm. And you'll never. Wipe out every earwig, but you can certainly lower the population that way. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thanks for your call. And both of you have a good weekend. Thank, thank you. Thank you so very thank much. Bye bye. Bye bye now. And uh, yeah, uh, our phone numbers, I neglected to give these out here, so I got to do this. 416 360 And then anywhere else in the province, it is toll free 1 866 740. Four seven forty. Of course, the host of our show is Charlie Dobbin, known through the breadth and length of Canada <laughs> as one of the prettiest of gardeners. Oh, listen yes. to you. Okay. So, oh, we have a couple of free lines, I'm just informed. Okay. okay. We had a little bit of a technical issue here, and uh, our apologies to Henry. Uh, here, Henry's uh, on this piece of paper. Yes, okay. I might even try to call. All right. Well, you call Henry, and yeah, I'm going to just give Henry. people a couple of things to have, you know, be yeah. things to think about, heads okay. ups. 
So we often get calls from people who have euonymus that is looking very poorly. Euonymus is a broadleafed evergreen. It's often grown in shady areas. The green and white variety called Emerald Gaiety is a very popular variety. It's been around for 40 or 50 years. And the trick is is that many of the euonymus here in southern Ontario have been really, really knocked out by an insect called scale. So the reason I bring this up is because scale is an insect that is very difficult to kill. It covers its body with a little shell, and any soap spray or oil spray doesn't affect it at all because it's got this little house on its back. But in the next three weeks, the nymphs will be emerging. And when the nymphs, or the baby scale, hatch from the eggs, they do not have that little shell on. That is the only time scale is vulnerable. And that's why over the next three weeks, if you have euonymus that's been looking poorly, you need to monitor your euonymus. You're going to be looking for the, the male, it's funny, the male scale look like little white specks, whereas the female are, are like a fleck right along the twigs and the underside. So that's that brown versus white. And what you're looking for is bright orange crawlers, the little nymphs or crawlers. So magnifying glass may be required, but wherever you see populations of adults, so the white flecks or the brown specks, magnifying glass, look for orange crawlers. Those are the nymphs. You can spray, you can be effective and spray those particular little beasties with horticultural soap soap and or horticultural oil. The trick, of course, is that you will need to spray more than once because the nymphs will be emerging over a three-week period. So you're going to start looking now. You're going to keep looking for the next three to four weeks. If you do see orange crawlers, you're going to spray, and you're going to wait five days. You're going to spray again. Of course, the one addendum is never, ever spray any plant with anything uh, at high noon if the plant is located in the sun. It's very, very hard to have the sun beating down on plants if you're spraying them at that time. So you do our spraying. Best time to spray is early in the day when it's not going to rain, preferably in the next 24 hours. And that will really, really help your euonymus recover from the devastation that the scale has been causing. There you go. Yeah. Another little helpful tip from <laughs> Charlie Dobbin. Hey, we've got a caller by the name of Elaine waiting to talk to you, so let's get that accomplished. Good morning, Elaine. Welcome to the show. Morning. Morning. I, I'm watching your show, and I'm listening. I have, uh, we have uh, the, you know, the Asiatic lilies, those yes. nice, big, I don't yes. know, the day lilies. They're beautiful. They're lovely. And uh, they, uh, they grow to about... Uh, Eight or ten inches, or and they grow really, really tall. But right now they're small, and there's something eating off the top of them. Mm-hmm. I think they're rabbits. I have lots of rabbits around my yard. Mm, I'm prob might be rabbits, but this is one of those things we have to go out and take a look. Asiatic lilies—they're not day lilies. Day lilies are a whole different genus from lilies. Lilies are actual lilium. So think of Easter lilies. Those are you know they grow from a bulb, and those are lilies. There is an insect. It's called a lily leaf beetle. It is bright red. So if it's out there chewing on your lilies, you will see its bright red little body on the green leaves or on the flower buds, and they chow down very quickly. If you say, well, I'm not seeing any bright red shiny little beetles, the other thing to look for is little blobs. It almost looks like blobs of bird poop. It's, it's little blobs of excrement on the leaves of the lily, and that is the larva of the beetle that actually literally covers itself in its own excrement 
so Ooh, that charming. so that the <laughs> birds won't eat them or Not we even think host guest at all no, no. Yeah, we think that that's <laughs> the reason they do that is as a protection right so birds don't eat the little larva but both the larva and the adult beetles the red beetles chew lilies like crazy they'll chew the leaves chew the flowers they'll just and you know strip it right down so you'll just have a empty stalk so that the leaves doing everything yeah yeah they'll just i think i don't think they're day lilies they're no. big and beautiful so they're probably asiatic because yes. they come in um yes uh, colors big, um yellow uh the yellow and orange. Mm-hmm. And sure. And they're white. fragrant. Yep, they're lovely, yeah. But it's the lily leaf beetle that I'd be looking for. If you see no evidence, then suspect rabbits. And then, yep, you need to put a little um, column, a little protection, a little wire, chicken wire, around those lilies for 12 inches up off the ground to protect from bunny rabbits. For the rabbits. But I if it's the beetles... the rabbits because I see the rabbits running in and out of the garden all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they have their chosen foods, no question. Some things they really love. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I have a, a rhododendron. Is it not flowering ever? Ever since the one time when I bought it, its flowers never flow again, but it has a lot and a lot of green leaves. Okay, so rhododendrons set their flower buds in the fall. So you will know this September whether it's going to flower next spring. You need to ensure that you are fertilizing with a rhododendron food. And you need to be top dressing around the base of the rhododendron with pine needles or... Um, cedar clippings or some. I have that, yeah. Perfect. And uh, and meanwhile, keep the, just work, no fertilizer at all except the rhododendron food as per directions on the package. Okay. All right. That's probably what, the, I don't even think it's rhododendron. I think it's called hydrangea. Uh, <laughs> just looking at the plant <laughs> now, it's hydrangea it's called. Okay. Is it okay, the same like, thing? <clears throat> uh, well, it's different, yeah. Depending on which hydrangea it is, um, same thing. Just yeah. fertilize at, with a flowering plant fertilizer as per direction. All right. Okay. okay. We've got to scoot along, Elaine. Thank you Okay. Very much. But thank you very much for Thanks the call. Thanks for the call. And uh, actually, just before we get to uh, Joanne, Anne, and Henry, who are waiting online, let me do my exercises one more time here to get you kind of primed up for what's, what's to come. Okay. So A weekend uh, of gardening, up, golfing. Down, up. That's my Walking, right eye, eyelid. I'm doing my eyelid boxing. It's going to be a nice weekend for yeah. going for walks along the beach. Oh, that's the good. The boardwalk. Yeah. 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 Everybody needs to get out into some sunshine, a little vitamin D. My dad's coming over tomorrow to help do a little gardening work and get a little vitamin D. Well, isn't that nice on Father's Day? Uh, you get you get your dad to come over and help you in the garden. I'm going to okay? cook him his favorite dinner, okay? Oh, all right. All right. Mm. It's going to all work out. But uh, <laughs> bottom line, the way we do these things and smile through them is we take our Sierra Aerosil keeps our joints limber and smooth and working and pain-free. For more information about Sierra Sil, check them on the web, sierrasil.ca, or call them at 1-877-JOINT-14, or pick up Sierra Sil at many health food stores. Sierra Sil, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And here we are, uh, all set to roll along with uh, more callers and indeed from Freelton. We welcome Joanne. Hi, Joanne. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. I have a question about my Rose of Sharon. Mm -hmm. I've got three... um, bushes are about I guess maybe five to six feet tall I trim them every spring mm-hmm. one is uh, 
really green. The other two are half green and mm-hmm. half looks like they're dead, yeah. but they're not brittle. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor has the same problem. I was mm-hmm. wondering if she should cut them back or cut the... No, it's a great question. Um, as we know, Rose of Sharon is one of the last shrubs to leaf out in the spring. So mm-hmm. we never really know whether it's dead or alive. It feels okay. like it's dead when it's not. Right. However, as you point out, uh, two of your three Rose of Sharon are are leafing out but only sporadically mm-hmm. and you're and yes you, the little brittle test is a good one if the twigs are brittle we know that's a dead twig the question is is the plant dead all the way down but if it's still soft and rubbery and has some bounce we know it's alive but it's not fully waking up it's still okay. staying dormant in okay. in the sense that it's only putting out sporadic leaves the buds are only breaking open on a limited level so okay. to force the buds out Trim, absolutely. Get out there and tip trim. Even if it's just a half an inch or an inch off every single tip. Uh, Of course, if there's a leaf on that tip, you might want to leave that one alone. But the tips that have virtually no leaves coming, start some some trimming. Okay. Okay, and that what you're trying to do is force those dormant buds to grow. Okay. 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 There's just leaves on them right now. There's no buds yet, but just leaves. Right, but where there are no leaves and the buds are even not doing anything, the trimming back will often force those buds out. I mean, the dog, several of the species, it was a tough winter, no question. And like I said, my neighbor, I I showed him one day and he said, well, come and see mine. It's the same thing over there. Yeah, I'm seeing it in a lot of people's gardens. And even in my garden, I have that happening on the dogwood where it's a sporadic leafing it's not fully coming out as you would expect. So I'm out there trimming the tips every 10 days trying to get them oh. to grow. Okay. Well, thank okay. you very much. Thanks for your call. Thanks, okay. Joanne. Bye. Have Take, a nice weekend. Thank you betcha. You. Take care of those in Frilton. Nice to have them aboard here. And uh, you're listening to the only, the best, and sometimes the unexpected AM740 Zoomer Radio. Anne from Cambridge on the line right now. Good morning, Anne. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Charlie, I have a clematis. I have several clematis, but mm. the one that I have has two different colored flowers, a pale pink, a deep purple. Mm. I've tried tracing it back to the, uh, you know, coming out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell, there is only one root. <laughs> but have you ever seen that or? Sometimes clematis will uh, have flowers that one will be like a double or a semi-double and other flowers will be a single but you don't often see a difference in coloration mm-hmm. uh, this though, is the second year that it has done this mm-hmm. it's about um, I would say four years old mm-hmm. we lost the original one that was there mm-hmm. and then replaced it and last year it put out two different colors mm. and it has again this year and as i said we try to trace yeah. it back and, and can't can only come up with one yeah, Dark, sort of I crown, yeah. yeah. Well, well, and the other thing that can sometimes happen is that when the sun is beating on flowers, it, it, it really makes them fade. So what starts as a deep pink can be a pale pink by the end of the day if the mm. sun has been beating down on it. But that doesn't sound like what you've got going on. No, I don't on, think so. I'm going to send you a picture of sure. it sometime if you don't mind. But, you know, Anne, I often will plant two varieties of clematis together on purpose because yes, I love that had, mix. We did not do that, but yeah. I just wondered yeah. if you had ever heard of this before. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some little seedling snuck into that pot. When you bought it, you thought you were only buying one variety, but yeah, there was actually right two varieties that. in yeah. there. Uh, okay. But that's what it sounds like. But for yeah. sure, send a photo. I Love will. to see it. Thanks Thank so you. Much. 
And that brings up the point of how folks get in touch with you, Charlie, mm-hmm. via email. By all means, uh, you could uh, send a little note along to Charlie and a picture too, mm-hmm. to, uh, let's see, C. Dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. That's true. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Charlie Dobbin. Give her a tweet. (laughs) She is is the tweet to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hey, uh, we're going to be talking to Henry in just a couple of moments here, but we do have to take a little bit of a break right here on The Garden Show from AM740 Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, always happy to be in the studio with the gal who puts the glad and gladiola... <laughs> Yes, it's Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> yes, Franklin. Well, that's I'm blushing. All right. <laughs> you are too. And, and uh, Henry is on the line, ready to talk to you. Hi, Henry. How are you? Hello, Henry. Oh, good morning. Oh, Henry. <laughs> good candy bar. Anyway, yeah. oh, okay. Well, well in, in that case, what uh, we'll do? Uh, he's he's not uh, there. Okay, or he is there, but it's not working. All righty. Elizabeth in uh, is calling from Kitchener. Good morning, Elizabeth. No, you've got Wilma. Well, now, how about that? Hey, Wilma. Good morning. How how the heck are you? I'm fine. Where are you calling from, by the way? Uh, Holstein. From Holstein? Yes. Welcome to the show. Well, I'll be cowed. How about that? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lilac, Charlie, Mm -hmm. that I have had... Oh, it's got to be five, six years it's been in the ground, Mm -hmm. and it grows lovely and green, Mm -hmm. but I have never yet seen a bloom off. Oh, my goodness. And five or six years. Yes. Yes. So is it in lots and lots of sunshine? Uh, Yes, it's on the west side of the house. Mm -hmm. I planted it uh, fairly close to... My kitchen window because right. I love the fragrance. Good of it. idea. Um, but uh, with, I guess it's now two years ago, uh, just in desperation because it was growing. Oh, it's got to be almost six feet high. Mm-hmm. It's not very big around yet, but uh, there's still lots of shoots from the bottom. Mm-hmm. So we thought, okay, let's stress it a bit. So mm-hmm. we clipped off about maybe 8 or 10 inches of the top of it. At what time of year? Um, Probably late summer into early fall. Okay, so if there were flowers there, you cut them all off. Okay, but (laughs) now this is at least the second spring. Right, you haven't trimmed it since. And it's, it's, uh, you know, the end of it all came back lovely, lush green Mm. and lots more new shoots on the... On the ends of it. But, but no flower buds. Uh, it's still not blooming. <laughs> okay. Well, there's two reasons, well, actually three reasons, why lilacs don't bloom. The one reason we've already suggested is uh, pruning at the wrong time. Yeah. So the only time we prune lilacs is right after they flower. After they bloom. So even if yours haven't flowered, you know from looking around your neighborhood what's going on with the lilacs and when they're blooming. So any radical pruning you would do then, uh, so that would be now basically, mm-hmm. that's the one thing. The other uh, two reasons why sometimes lilacs don't bloom is insufficient sunshine. They do need six hours or more of direct sun- sunlight 
Oh, on... I would say yes. It it qualifies for okay. that, all right. Good. Yeah. And the yeah. third thing that can happen with lilacs is fertilizing with the wrong um, percentage of nutrient. If lilacs receive too much nitrogen, and nitrogen's the first number in any of our fertilizer analysis, then we get a lot of green growth, green leaves, green stems, and not a lot of flowers. Mm-hmm. So if a lilac is located close to a lawn and we're fertilizing our lawn, then that lawn fertilizer can get on the lilac and, of course, contribute to a lot of green growth, which is what we want our lawns to do but not our lilacs. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is just be very careful that no high nitrogen fertilizer comes close to the lilac. Mm -hmm. Do get a hold of some flowering plant fertilizer, something with a high middle number. Use some of that now and again a month or so from now to fertilize that lilac and no trimming come fall, late summer or fall. And, you know, cross your fingers that it will put some flowers out next year. It should. Sometimes Uh, it's a maturity thing too. Plants have to be a couple of years old, but yours should be old enough by now. Well, and I'm assuming it doesn't need... A male in the neighborhood nope, type nope, thing? Nope, no, no, no. Well, and, and because I do have white lilac, mm. now they're not right near the house. They're on the opposite side of the house yeah. towards the road, all mm. right, but they're still on the property. Yep, no, the flowering is not connected to male, female, uh, and lilacs are a complete flower anyway. They are both yeah. male and female. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, no I worries thought, there. you know, the old original ones, yeah. but, and I'm assuming that's what this is a branch of, but we have some out on the roadside, um, either side of our place, and they, and bloom. they are blooming. Like and, crazy, yeah. I mean, they're only three feet high, and they've got a little bloom on them. Right, so. and they're in a much more stressful situation. Mm-hmm. They're out in the full sun, and the wind, and the, mm-hmm. you know, just traffic all, going by. Yeah, the yeah. elements, the dust, the dirt, the whatever, yeah. and they bloom, because yeah. lilacs yeah. like that. They like hot, sunny, you know, well-drained, uh, even somewhat stressful conditions can often bring out flowers. Mm-hmm. So think about that with the one you're coddling near your house. Don't be so nice to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tough well, love. And, and I kind of suspected this fertilizer because I have heard you say this before yeah. that they don't like lawn fertilizer no. particularly. That's right. So, yeah, I oh. have wondered about that. But thanks, Wilma. I, I don't have a lot of place to put it because I've got such a treed area that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Elizabeth, uh, Wilma, me, Elizabeth, it'll, it'll Wilma. come. It'll come. Yeah. Just keep that nitrogen away. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. We, we have to kind of call. scoot along here. Yeah. I don't know. That we've got time uh, to talk to Elizabeth, who is uh, uh, calling in from Kitchener. Uh, I think it's something about bulbs. Probably, if okay. we go quick, we can okay. do something here. Elizabeth, yes, welcome from Kitchener. Hi, thank you so much. Um, for the first time ever, I got tulip bulbs from our horticultural society that mm-hmm. has the garden as you enter Kitchener, mm-hmm. and uh, they always dig them up and uh, and then sell them, yep. and then, as it turns out, they had some leftovers, and the next day, and I, I drove through on the way to church, and, yeah. and I, I got them. Uh-huh. So I, I started putting them in uh, uh, a week ago Monday when uh, when I got home, but... In the meantime, now, the, the two dozen that I planted the furthest away from the house in the property line, the squirrels have dug up, and is there um, some of them, they've eaten some of them, have been... 
just <laughs> scattered around, and I like to replant those. But is there anything I can do so this doesn't happen again? I'm ready to shoot them. Oh, I bet you are. Well, remember, squirrels are very curious. They I, see you digging something yeah. in there, and they got to dig it up to see what you just buried. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things you can do when you're when you're planting those bulbs. Number one, plant them deeper than yes. recommendation, so make it a little harder for the yeah. squirrels. Yeah. Okay. Number two, cover your tracks. Don't let them know that you've just planted something. Oh. Put some twigs or if you have any rose canes right. kicking around, like dead bits of rose, scatter those around over top of where you've done or some leaves, whatever. Just right. camouflage where you've been digging. There are some sprays you can use uh, that you can spray the bulbs with before you bury. Many people swear by the chicken wire on the surface or just below the surface of the soil so that the squirrels can't dig them up. Right. All right, got to go. Sorry, thanks, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. We're, we're fresh okay. out of time. Hope that helps. Okay. okay, thanks for joining us. And thanks to everybody. Frank. Yes, thanks to everybody. And you're busy back here later, I think? Uh, a little bit later on this afternoon, I shall return. Well, you have a real good Father's and Grandfather's Day. Thank you. And I do want to send wishes to all the, the good fathers and grandfathers out there. Um, yes, thanks to all our great callers. James has been running like a crazy man because we have had some glitches. So thank you, James, for holding us together here. <laughs> and uh, thanks to all our great callers because we wouldn't have a great show without the great callers. So see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.